Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Wellbeing Wednesday, as uh, well, we often hashtag our episodes. And we are really going into all kinds of wellbeing stuff today. So firstly, massive thanks to Keith, who joined us on Monday for everything kind of communication. uh, And today, all about wellbeing. And when we think about well-being, we often separate it into kind of different pillars. So we can think about physical well-being and mental well-being, which is kind of what we're all about here. Um, nutrition, sleep, etc. But as we will hear in today's episode, they are all completely linked. <laughs> and actually, I feel like they can have that sort of domino effect where you focus on one and actually it's easier if you also focus on the others and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But today we are joined by Sue. Uh, who uh, really has so, so much wisdom about nutrition, about the microbiome, gut health, all kinds of stuff that I love to talk about. Uh, But I don't think we get too kind of geeky uh, in this episode. So (laughs) it should all be really accessible, really valuable content and how you can make changes to really maximize your health and well-being. So I'm not going to say any more now and we're going to dive straight into this conversation because it is such a good one. So I really hope you enjoy it and I'll be back super quickly at the end. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest Sue to the podcast. So Sue, welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi Hannah. Um, yeah, I've been in the wellbeing industry for nearly 20 years now actually for my sins. It feels like it's not as long as that. It's gone uh, very quickly. Um, previously as a um, personal trainer and more recently as a nutritional therapist and helping predominantly women but pretty much everyone understand how to really get control of their health and that this some of the kind of common ailments that we struggle with on a a day-to-day basis whether it's poor sleep lack of energy joint pain um, stubborn weight all those kind of things how they can actually manage that so much easier than we've been led to believe Um, so I'm really passionate about helping um, people understand that they really can take back control of their health quite simply. Awesome and we'll absolutely dive into some of those conditions and, and things that you mentioned but firstly I like us always to be on like the same page of what we're talking about so could you tell us what a nutritional therapist is how it's different to like a nutritionist or other terms we might have heard of before? Yeah so I'm qualified as a nutritional therapist but actually what I what I call myself is a well-being mentor because of my background in um, uh, like as a, as a personal trainer, I focus very much on mindset, movement and nutrition. So those three things together are really important to help someone achieve success when it comes to their health. Um, so the nutritional therapy element of it is just one element of what I do. I also kind of support uh, people to move more on a day to day basis and also to stay in a really positive mind space, because I believe that's just as important for success. when we're talking about well-being, if we wake up every morning and think, oh, God, it's really hard. We're never going to go out for that walk or what have you. So, you know, I really try to encourage people to think about how beneficial that walk's going to be to their body and all that kind of thing. So it's it's a three pronged approach, really, my programs. 
so as far as my nutritional therapy is concerned, I'm not a, a dietitian. I'm not someone who can prescribe. Um, I don't work with the NHS. What I do is I advise my clients on the kind of foods that they can eat to support their body and to improve uh, to, to improve their long term health. So I'm not really about saying you can you can eat this and you can't eat that. I'm all about helping a client to understand what works for them in terms of their body. When they feed their body a certain food, if they're hungry within two hours, then that food didn't work for them because it's had a relationship in the body with some of their hormones. Um, so I really try to get clients to really kind of unpeel the layers, if you like, and get down to what the foods that work for them. There's no one size fits all when it comes to our health. We have to be really in touch with what our body's telling us and start listening to what our body's telling us so that we can really feed it the way that it wants to be fed. Awesome. And we're all about a not one size fits all approach here because absolutely I agree. Mm-hmm. It's we're all different. So we maybe have different different yeah, totally. uh, needs. And I think often when we um particularly weight loss is the big one, isn't it? But when we're thinking about being healthier, we often think about what we can't have rather than maybe thinking, well, what can I add in that's healthier? Are there particular things that maybe it would be beneficial for us to eat more of that are going to help us stay, stay healthy? Yeah, I, and I agree totally. I always talk about I choose to have something rather than saying I can't have that because that immediately puts you into a negative mind space. So when I'm working with clients, I choose to have, um, you know, I might choose to have that piece of cake today. I know how it's going to make me feel, but today is the day that I choose to have it. I'm not going to attach guilt to it. So in particular with sugar, when we're talking about trying to improve our health, the, the biggest, the best thing you can do is, and we're told to cut out fat and do this that and the other but actually the best thing you can do is really focus on your sugar consumption and the reason for this is that when we consume sugar uh, sugar naturally releases a hormone called insulin Uh, insulin is our blood sugar balance hormone it's what keeps our blood sugars under control it's what drip feeds us our energy on a day-to-day basis basically and if our insulin goes out of balance, so it peaks and then it troughs and it peaks and it troughs and we have a kind of roller coaster of insulin throughout the course of the day, that's a real stress on the body. So what we want to be able to do is to manage our insulin levels so that they are much flatter. They don't go on this roller coaster through the day. They, they become flatter um, because when we can master our insulin and, and manage our insulin better, what we can do is um, allow other hormones to come back into balance because insulin is a dominant hormone. It will tell other hormones either not to switch on or it will switch hormones on that shouldn't be switched on. So for example, when insulin is high, it will switch a hormone called ghrelin on, which tells us we're hungry all the time. So we'll end up eating more because ghrelin is high in the system. When insulin is high, it will also switch off leptin, which is a hormone that tells us we're full. So we never feel sated. When we've, when we've got a diet that's high in, in sugar, we're, we're never feeling hungry. We're always reaching for the next snack and, or, or the next kind of sugar fix, if you like. And sugar is a highly addictive substance. It's a substance that if it was invented today, would be given a class A drug classification because it's so addictive. And the reason why it's addictive is because our blood sugar balance um, goes out of alignment and when when we have a peak in blood sugars we have a peak in insulin naturally and that insulin is released in order to take sugars out of our bloodstream because we've got too much in our bloodstream it's there for that reason to manage our blood sugar balance but because it takes sugars out of our bloodstream our blood sugars then crash and um 
and yeah, where we feel um, hungry and we're reaching for more glucose. Our brain functions on glucose, basically. So when I'm working with a client, what I try to get them to do is to understand how they can really balance their blood sugars better. And this usually takes about 10 days to two weeks to kind of come back into alignment. So for the first two weeks, they can feel quite tired, um, a bit headachey, a bit kind of, you know, feel like they're coming down with flu kind of thing because they're really trying to get their blood sugars under control. But once you get through that two weeks of bringing your blood sugars under control, it's like a whole new world because all of a sudden you're not feeling constantly hungry. You're not constantly looking for snacks. You've got a lot more energy. You're sleeping better on a day to day basis because insulin has a massive impact on our sleep on a on an, um, a nightly basis as well. And so when we bring those blood sugars under control, that will then really improve and have a knock on effect to our quality of life on a day to day basis. So. The simplest hack is what I'd say to clients on a, you know, when I'm working with them is the first thing to do is to get your blood sugars really balanced. And the best thing a client can do, the first thing they can do is to have some protein for breakfast. And the reason for this is our stomach is full of hydrochloric acid first thing in the morning. And uh, hydrochloric acid is designed to break down protein. It's not designed to break down carbohydrate. Now we in the Western world consume mostly carbohydrate for breakfast whether that's toast or cereal or what have you and that that has a very quick release of sugars into our bloodstream if we're eating um, carbohydrate for breakfast and so we start the day on a peak of blood sugars what we want to do if is if we eat protein that's a much slower release of sugars and so those sugars are released slowly into the bloodstream insulin is much slower in its release and consequently then we can manage our blood sugars right from the beginning of the day Um, And if we can get it right, if that first meal is right at the beginning of the day, that has a huge knock on effect to how much you eat for the rest of the day and what you eat for the rest of the day, because you're much more controlled in your choices. You're much more measured in your sort of portion sizes and stuff because your brain is not saying feed me glucose, feed me glucose all the time. And you can actually begin to really manage your weight quite effectively without feeling restriction, without feeling hungry. Um, and actually recognize how to nourish your body and how to to get your blood sugars into that really balanced phase. And that's absolutely the place to start when you're looking for whether it's weight or whether we talk about wellness, basically. Weight usually comes into that, but actually wellness, everything, you know, blood sugar balance and insulin balance has a complete knock-on effect to all areas of our well-being, whether it's sleep, whether it's joint pain, uh, whether it's mental clarity, um, energy levels on a day-to-day basis, all of those things are influenced by how well balanced our insulin levels are. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for that. And a few things I was thinking, the the choice, and absolutely, I know, and it's probably partly sugar, also gluten, my body is a little bit not happy with it. And over Christmas, I chose, quite consciously, (laughs) I was going to enjoy what what I ate. And actually, then when I switched back after Christmas, I definitely had the um really it's like a withdrawal like you mentioned a feeling really crummy for a couple of days and the headache and similarly actually when um if I've ever given up caffeine before as well and I didn't do that one this time um but um I was thinking about um breakfast and I used to have kind of overnight oats so maybe not the most kind of high sugar thing but I've switched and I most of the time I either start my day with like a blueberry and banana pancake um so kind of like all mashed up and healthy or scrambled eggs and an apple. And it's it feels like it's not a huge amount, but actually that keeps me going and coffee that keeps me going until at least lunchtime. I don't snack in the morning and I feel really good for it. 
Mm. Um, so, mm. Mm. yeah, maybe that's why. Again, yeah, and that's what I encourage all my clients to do is when they eat breakfast, if they're hungry by half past 10, then what they ate at breakfast didn't work for their blood sugar balance. And now some people can have porridge for breakfast and add some seeds and nuts to it and it keep them going till two o'clock in the afternoon. Other people can eat it and find that by 11 o'clock they're pacing around the kitchen saying, what can I snack on? Um, so it really is about just getting in touch with what your body's telling you. We, As humans, we should be able to go from one meal to the next without needing to snack. We've become quite reliant or the media has told us that we need to be snacking between we need to be eating five small meals and all this kind of thing and actually you know there's lots of scientific evidence now to show that if you have that longer space between a meal your blood sugars can come down and so many more um, processes can take place in the body that can't take place when insulin levels are high so we really should be looking at having at least four hours between meals and finding those meals that keep us going for that four hours, four to five hours, so that we are allowing blood sugars to come down and we're letting our body, you know, we're much more energized when, we're, when we've got lower blood sugars than we are if our blood sugars are high. Um, so yeah, finding that thing for breakfast, I think is absolutely crucial. That's the first place I start with my clients is to really get to grips with what's gonna work for you for breakfast to keep you full until lunchtime. Yeah, I also kind of reflecting on, and I didn't consciously give up sugar, um, to in the new year but I was thinking much more about eating kind of lean protein and vegetables and kind of cutting out junk really and then and trying to be healthier in that way and I don't tend to snack um unless I've got if I've got a longer gap between lunch and dinner if I'm if I'm busy then I might grab something and I did have a snack before we came on but I had just been for a run <laughs> so and that was kind of so you are allowed recovery post-run recovery food. yeah I was kind of mindful of oh what do I have that's not too sugary actually it was going to be fruit and it was yeah like I said kefir and nuts uh, so it was a kind of a healthier one but actually you know as you're talking I'm thinking I, I'm not I don't often get in the middle of the morning or the middle of the afternoon now oh I'm I'm starving I need to have something so that's good <laughs> yeah and so that means you're kind of getting to grips with the meals that keep you full from one meal to the next, basically, which is absolutely the way to manage your health long term is to make sure you've got those foods that keep your blood sugars really balanced. And so I have a question, which is maybe obviously it's different for, for everyone. I was going to say how much sugar is too much sugar. But, you know, if I occasionally in, a, in the week, I might have a bit of chocolate and I try and have like healthier chocolate, but I might have something that's a bit more sugary as a treat is that kind of thing going to cause like big spikes or actually if most of the time I'm like the 80, 20 thing, if most of the time I'm eating and stable, is it okay to choose those treats occasionally? Yeah, absolutely. Because it is an 80, 20 rule. It's all about moderation, isn't it? So, you know, if you were skipping your lunch um, and eating a Mars bar instead, then that's going to be that's not going to be beneficial to your system. But if you're having three really good quality meals a day and you're making sure you've got lots of colours on your plate, and always talk about you know start with the with um, the traffic lights of red, green, and yellow, and then build up to the rainbow kind of thing in terms of the colours that you've got on your plate. If you've got all those colours on your plate and you're having those three meals a day, having you know a couple of small squares of chocolate after you've eaten in the evening is not going to throw your health kind of process progress off the rails um, but one of the things I again talk to my clients about is everything we do on a day-to-day -day basis is having an impact on our health long term 
So if we are consistently having, let's say, a packet of crisps and a chocolate bar after we've eaten our lunch, but the rest of our meals are healthy, that packet of crisps and chocolate bar is not going to be contributing to our long-term well-being efforts. So it's all about thinking, okay, so, and this is what I guide my clients to do, is I sort of say, well, let's focus on Monday to Friday being really good and being staying on track, staying away from the highly processed foods, staying away from the alcohol, and just focusing on all those colors on your plate and lots of good quality proteins. And then relax a little bit at the weekend, because you know what, it's, life is sometimes, you know, food is to be enjoyed, isn't it? It's not to be, we shouldn't be feeling in a place of restriction and, oh, no, I can't have that. Um, so when you feel in a place of actually, I know I can enjoy that at the weekend because I've, you know, I've been really on it as far as my food is concerned this week. I'm not going to attach guilt to it and I'm going to enjoy it. But I know that next week I'm back on track again and I can carry on focusing on the good foods that nourish my body. And that's not going to do you any harm whatsoever. But it's when we're doing that every single day that that's going to contribute to, to long term sort of degradation if you like of your well-being I think psychologically that's quite a powerful thing of, of knowing it's not all the time and so I when I um in January I did make this conscious effort to to try and be a bit healthier particularly because Christmas was very relaxed um and and I I think um and I'm I do eat meat um and uh, I quite like having like bacon and eggs but obviously every day and that's one of those foods that apparently can be awful but I was like, at the weekends, maybe not both days, the weekends, but the weekends, I want to have bacon and eggs for breakfast. And actually, that's something that I enjoy. I don't want to get rid of it. But the rest of the week, I'm not having it. I pretty much have eggs for breakfast every day, actually, but not the bacon. And I was like, I, you know, I'll be happy if I'm at a point where I can have those things in and I can enjoy them, not feel guilty about them. And I think it, in some ways, psychologically can make it easier, maybe, to eat healthy the rest of the time. Because... I'm not depriving myself because I know I can have mm. my bacon and eggs on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've said, I choose to have my bacon and eggs at the weekend. So you've made that conscious decision that that's what you're going to do. And you're going to allow yourself um, that, that pleasure of having your bacon and eggs at the weekend, but not worrying about the fact that you're doing that. Um, it's when we start to attach guilt to food that that little chimp brain kicks in and goes, oh, well, you know, you can't have that. So uh, why don't you have it? And that's when it starts to creep in on a day to day basis. Um, so when we can say, you know what, I'm going to be just really focused through the course of the week and I'm going to choose all the good, the right things to choose. And then at the weekend, I'm going to relax. It feels psychologically so much better um, and allows us to achieve success so much more if we know we've got that flexibility within my um, uh, one of my programs, Fed Up to Fabulous. We talk about um, balanced meals. So we, you know, we, we don't attach cheat meal to it. We attach balanced meal to it. And we talk about the fact that you know, you can have a balanced meal at the weekend that allows you to have that flexibility of enjoying some things that you don't, you wouldn't normally have during the week. And that allow, that encourages the women to really stay on track with the program because they know they've got that flexibility of their balanced meal. And they can take it whenever they want to. It doesn't have to be taken on a Saturday night kind of thing. Um, it can be, but as long as it's no more than one a week. And that then means that they know that what they're going to do is sustainable long-term because they've got that treat if you like of that balanced meal um whenever they want to take it during the course of the week yeah absolutely and I know we, at the beginning we mentioned some of the the things like sleep the the persistent weight and and some of those other uh, things that we might be experiencing and is sugar kind of the, the big thing for all of them or is there some some other things that we should be aware of that are also contributing 
Uh, in terms of some of those elements, so yeah, in terms of sleep, we should really be aware of our gut health. Um, so our intestinal health has a huge impact on how the rest of our body functions. So we've got something called the microbiome in our intestine, which is all the bacteria that's made up of good and bad bacteria. Um, all that bacteria in our intestine basically communicates with the rest of the body. And it's not uncommon for that bacteria to go out of balance. What we should have is about 80% good bacteria, 20% bad bacteria. And sometimes it can flip and we can get more bad bacteria than good bacteria. And that scrambles the messages that the body sent. So if our bad bacteria is higher than our good bacteria, that might prevent serotonin from being produced. And serotonin is... Um, the hormone that allows us to feel good. It's the neurotransmitter that's, you know, it's a mood enhancer. Um, but equally as much serotonin has a knock on effect to melatonin production, which helps us sleep. So if we've got more bad bacteria in our intestine, that can have a knock on effect to our sleep. Equally as much if the bacteria isn't in the right balance, um, that can cause inflammation around the intestine wall that can have a knock on effect to joint health. So we can start to feel painful joints if we've got some inflammation going on um, around our intestine wall and sugar also causes inflammation as well. It can have an impact on our hormone balance, our gut bacteria can, and it can have an impact on our mental well-being. There's a direct link between our intestine and our brain, the vagus nerve, and that nerve is constantly communicating between the brain and the intestine. So anything that's going on in the intestine can come out in our emotions, it can come out in our sleep quality, it can come out in our motivation to do things on a day-to-day -day basis, or we can get brain fog and all sorts of things like that as well. So the body is very clever at telling us what it needs if we listen to it. So if we're struggling with IBS or sort of stomach pains and digestive pains and all that kind of thing, that's a way, your body's way of saying to you, actually, your digestive, my digestive system needs a little bit of TLC. Can you pay some attention to me? Can you tweak the foods that you're eating in order to mean that it's not so harsh on me? in order to allow me to digest foods better and that kind of thing. So, you know, we really should be listening to the things that our body is telling us. And I think we've lost touch with that in 21st century life. We've lost touch with listening to what the, you know, what the body is saying. We, what we, we go to the doctor and they say, we'll just take this pill, that will solve it. But all that's doing is putting a sticking plaster on it. It's not solving the problem deep down. And that problem deep down can be very easily solved with the right food and the right nutrients. Yeah. As, um, my I do get an upset tummy sometimes when my body's like mm, we're not a fan of that but I think this is again when we were saying that it's not one mm. size fits all because I you can see other people can see I keep muting because my asthmatic wheeze is back at the moment and I uh, had some very nice crunchy loaf mm. <laughs> crusty loaf bread in the weekend probably too much and a little bit too relaxed and it's it's kind of I'd say about maybe 30 percent stress related and about 70 percent food so when I eat the things that my body's like we're not a fan of yeah I get this wheeze and actually it's taken me a while to recognize it and now I can go all right and it will be a few more days probably of cutting that stuff out and then it will get back to normal yeah yeah and upper upper respiratory tract problems are always linked to the gut wall because if the gut walls you know under pressure and not working as effectively as it should be um that can come out the toxins that pass across the gut wall can be expelled through the respiratory tract so your asthmatic wheeze that's got you've got going on is a, mm. a little bit of inflammation around some of the um you know your bronchioles and stuff that are not able to function properly because you've got some inflammation around your gut wall it's incredible how the body interlinks and and, and works together um as a you know as a whole machine <laughs> yeah well and it's um it's interesting because like I said I'm well 
not a runner, although I'm eight weeks into actually running. So I was talking about that the other day that I have to like at some point go, maybe I am. Yeah. And so although I've got the wheeze and it's kind of asthmatic, actually I could run for 25 minutes, fine. Yeah. So it's, although it's inflamed, it's, and, and that's something previously I would have been like, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. But it, it strikes me that, you know, we're, we're talking about. Yeah. You would have used it as an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I wasn't a fan of running and I'm still, you know, most of the time I'm now <laughs> mostly enjoying it. Although today I was a bit like, oh, this is so long. Um, But it, it really strikes me, um, you know, lots of the things, particularly with in the mental health space that we talk about as being beneficial, you know, sleep, nutrition, exercise, etc. how linked they all are. And, and I definitely think they have like a knock on effect. So if you want to be exercising, actually, I think it's much easier if you're also being mindful of what you eat, which means then you're sleeping better. So you have more energy to do it. And then you feel better. And it is this, I'm not sure that you can just do one <laughs> without the other. Mm. And sleep, you know, we, we totally underestimate the importance of sleep in terms of um, what it does in terms of our mental well-being, you know, how much of cleaning of the brain that takes place through the course of the night, how much storage of memories and emotions and stuff takes place during our REM sleep and all that kind of thing. We completely underestimate how important it is. We just think it's, uh, a, you know, a kind of, oh, yeah, it's a, a must have kind of thing. And so we deprioritize it as being an important part of our, our health kind of process. Um, and actually, I think it's a real foundation that the sleep, good sleep and the microbiome, a good, healthy intestine, those two for me sit below then, you know, our good nutrition and, and our movement on top of that and our hydration. Um, because sleep is, you know, you've only got to look at some of the media coverage of sleep these days and they talk about it as being free, a free form of health insurance, just because, you know, if you don't get um, seven hours sleep a night, you are compromising so many aspects of your health and mental well-being being one of them. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a, a couple of random questions that have, that have popped into my mind. And I guess maybe these are things in the media that, you know, people talk about. And so the first one, there, actually, there might just be this one. <laughs> it's, uh, you hear a lot about like superfoods and like things that are, you know, so amazing. Is there any truth to that? Is Are there particular things that are really beneficial or is that a little bit of that kind of complication? It is a little bit of complication. So the media is very clever at helping us to believe that what we need to do is spend a huge amount of money on trying to get healthy, you know. So you'll have these celebs who go off to their health farms and have their oxygen drips or whatever it is they have, I don't know. Um, there are antioxidant uh, bombs that they, they take on a daily basis. And yes, there are some foods that you could call superfoods because they're high in antioxidants. So antioxidants are um, nutrients that tend to be dark fruits and dark vegetables contain. And they basically will reduce inflammation in the system. So when, we, when inflammation is set up in the system, um, um, we, every metabolic process the body goes through releases something called free radicals. It's a natural process. It's the aging process. And what we should do and what we have done in previous times is we have consumed a good quality diet that's full of antioxidants. And those antioxidants have they don't stop the aging process, but they certainly slow that aging process down. They prevent, you know, inflammation from forming. Um, and so what we've done as we've moved into 21st century life and our diet has become highly processed. We don't have those antioxidants in quite the same way in our foods as we would have done, you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago. 
And so the media goes, oh, well, what you need to do is eat blueberries or, or you know, pomegranate seeds or what have you, because they're full of antioxidants, um, because antioxidants will stop you from aging. But if you've just got a healthy diet, if you focus on all those colors on your plate, you're going to be consuming those antioxidants anyway. Um, so, you know, you can eat the superfoods, but if you're then going down to the shop and buying a, you know, a, a decaf latte and a, and a chocolate chip muffin kind of thing, you're actually undoing the good that you would have got from eating the superfoods. So why not focus on let's actually eat sensibly all the time. Let's eat in, you know, a logical way to eat with lots of colors on our plate. And we're going to be taking those antioxidants on board. Um, and antioxidants are highly, highly important. They really are. And if you know, if you want to do anything to support your health, really focus on getting some dark um, vegetables on your plate and you know, lots of dark fruits and stuff, and that will really help to reduce inflammation. Um, but don't be feeling like you've got to go and spend, you know, hundreds of pounds on really expensive <laughs> blueberries that have been freighted in from some exotic country kind of thing uh, in order to help defy aging because you know all you've got to do is focus on eating sensibly at every meal there's something I've, I've noticed um over the last couple of weeks shopping and buying a lot more veg but kind of like I don't know carrots parsnips broccoli etc actually it's really cheap when you just do that when you're not getting really fancy stuff just standard fruit and veg it's like actually my shop is a lot <laughs> cheaper because i'm not buying them in more expensive process stuff or absolutely yeah it is cheaper you know when you look at it you know when you're if you're buying lots of ready meals and all that kind of thing they are going to be more expensive than if you're just buying the raw ingredients for a meal and creating that meal from scratch it's so much better for your system to have created things from scratch than to be you know buying what we call highly processed food anything that's got more than five ingredients in is going to be highly processed food and there's a lot again lots of research out there to show that that highly processed food is what's causing our blood sugar imbalances it's what's causing our insulin imbalances and so consequently that's having a knock-on effect to our long-term health and having that processed meal one day is 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 okay and you're having it the next day it's not going to do you any harm but if you're still having it three four five months down the line it's going to be having a real cumulative effect on um, degrading your health basically and I did think of another question to ask you, um, another media <laughs> one, because another thing that people talk about a lot is supplements. And honestly, some some of the things that some people are taking or the amount of things that people are taking just seems like a lot. So <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I do. I do encourage some supplementation, but it needs to be targeted supplementation based on what your body needs. There is, oh, I would encourage everybody to take vitamin D because I think vitamin D is a really important nutrient. We, the more we find out about vitamin D, the more we realize just how important it is to the body from a mental well-being perspective, from an energy perspective, from a blood sugar balance perspective. It's not just about bone health anymore. Um, exercise performance, it's, you know, it's really important for that, for muscle recovery and stuff. And actually the NHS now recognize, recognize that everybody should be taking a vitamin D supplement. Um, and that is simply because from October to April, the sun is at the wrong angle in the sky to mean that we don't form the vitamin D under our skin. And unfortunately, when it's at the right angle of the sky, the British summertime is notorious for not being particularly sunny. So, you know, we don't build up the reserves of vitamin D through the summertime that we need to get us through the winter. So just supplementing with vitamin D, certainly through the winter time is really um, recommended. 
Um, and then I've got some targeted nutrients that I personally take because I know that they're right for my body. So I know that I don't have enough oily. I don't I'm, I, I don't consume oily fish and stuff like that. I don't I'm a vegetarian, so I'm, I will take a, um, an omega three supplement because I know I don't have enough of the good fats in my diet on a day to day basis. I take a vitamin D. I take a probiotic because I want to support my gut bacteria and make my sure my gut bacteria is supported. Um, and I take a magnesium supplement because again, magnesium is a is is a nutrient that we're all deficient in, and magnesium has a role to play right the way across the body. Now I know that those are the nutrients that are right for my body. Unfortunately, with the media, they will go, oh well, everybody should go and take this shark fin oil or you know some superfood supplement or what have you. Um, and actually, you don't know if it's right for your body. So if you're thinking that actually my energy levels are a bit lower, I'm not sleeping as well as I should do, maybe I do need a little bit of help from topping up my nutrients, go and consult, get get some advice from someone who knows what they're talking about, because they'll be able to, to direct you in the, in, the, in the direction of the right supplements for you. And not all supplements are created equal. There's a lot of supplements that are very badly manufactured, they will have um, bits and bits of stuff in them that they shouldn't have them they're not quality assured they're not checked kind of thing and they have lots of fillers in them as well um one if you you know here's a top tip if someone you've got a bo bottle of uh, let's say uh, multivitamins in the cupboard if you have a look at the ingredients often the first ingredient is calcium carbonate which is chalk and that is a filler that fills that supplement so that they don't have to put all the better quality ingredients in to fill it up basically um, a lot of the cheap supplements will have, and that's like basically taking a teaspoon of chalk a day. So really, if you're thinking that actually maybe some supplementation is right for me, I would just always say, get some advice on it and make sure the ones that you buy, don't buy cheap supplements. It's a waste of your money. There's no point in buying them. You might as well, um, you know, you, you might as well save up your money and buy a better quality one so that you get the benefit from it. There's lots of media coverage to say supplements don't work. Well, they don't work. The most expensive supplement is the one that doesn't work. And usually the cheap ones don't work. The ones that are better manufactured have got less fillers in them, have got a kind of paper trail in terms of their manufacturing process as well, and are targeted for what your body needs. Those are the ones that will work, not just this broad brush approach that we talked about. You know, it's not a, it's not a cookie cutter solution. It's all about being more targeted and recognizing what your individual body needs and that uh, you know a, a qualified nutritional therapist can help you identify what that is that you need awesome thank you for that and before I ask you my set questions I wonder if you've got um, a final thought you want to share or maybe coming back to about how simple being healthy is and you know, summing that up for us yeah because I, I feel really passionate about the fact that the media was really overcomplicated health um, getting healthy doesn't have to be complicated um, it doesn't have to be expensive either. We can actually make some steps on a day-to-day -day basis to really improve our health as long as we follow those simple guidelines of some good quality protein and many as many colors on the plate as we can fit. And we follow that guideline through every meal that we consume. And we do that consistently and persistently every day. And we don't attach guilt to food. We don't attach that restriction to it. We just focus on what I choose to consume and focus on uh, nourishing my body and giving my body lots of all the right nutrients that it needs and seeing that as a real thing to celebrate rather than a thing to be oh it's you know it's su such hard work kind of thing if we can flip it on its head and go actually I want to be healthy I want to live a long and full fulfilled life 
and the actions that I take today are going to help me do that long term. And there isn't a quick fix. There isn't a magic wand that you can weigh. There isn't a pill that you can take that's going to make you do that. The only thing that's going to happen there is that you do that consistently and persistently every day. Follow those little simple rules of eat some protein for breakfast to balance your blood sugars first thing. Have as many plates, as many um, colors on your plate as you possibly can have on from any meal and eat three consistent meals a day and try to avoid the snacking. Make sure the meal keeps you full from one meal to the next. And you follow those three simple guidelines. Every meal you eat will be contributing to your long-term health, will be helping you feel better long-term. And it may not happen today and it may not happen tomorrow and it might not happen in another three weeks time, but if you're still doing that in six months time, I can bet it boots. I mean, you said earlier on in this, you know, you started off in January and now you're, you're running your 25 minutes quite consistently and feeling like at some point you've got to say you're a runner. You don't have to be a health nut to be eating protein and and uh, lots of colors on your plate every meal you just have to be you just have to respect yourself I think you know feeding your body the right nutrients and the right food is an ultimate form of self-respect and when we when we say you know what I want to do is I want to live that long fulfilled life and I'm, I'm going to give my body what it needs and I'm going to respect it and make sure that I'm working to that every day and if you do that consistently and persistently every day in six months time you're going to be in a completely different place to where you started from yeah awesome and um what our kind of uh, I guess aim or buzzword or something is about wanting to uh, inform inspire and empower people to live a meaning a joyful meaningful and healthy life that's kind of we're about and I feel like we've covered health <laughs> covered health. and so my, actually my next yeah. my first two set questions are about the other things um so the first one is what brings you joy in your life what brings me joy what brings me joy is seeing someone going from a place of complete desperation as far as their health is concerned struggling with you know a couple of hours sleep a night pain on a daily basis feeling in a place of just desperation and misery and helping them understand and taking them on that journey to come out the other side. I started working with a lady uh, about this time last year, she'd got fibromyalgia and she was in a complete place of desperation. Um, She was in so much pain every day. She wasn't sleeping at night. There was so much going on for her. And she said to me, when when she first spoke to me, she said, well, I might as well do it because I've tried everything else and nothing else has worked. So let's you know this is slightly different let's give it a go and over the course of four months she went from you know I got her to score her pain levels on a scale of one to ten um ten being the highest when we first started and she was starting at nine stroke ten on a daily basis in pain and over the course of that four months just making a change to her diet getting her to see the foods that were causing inflammation in her system and making her feel more painful on a day-to-day basis and seeing the foods that helped her and really getting to get to grips with that by the end of that four months, she was down at two stroke three on her pain levels. And for me, that gives me complete and utter joy because I've taken that person from a place of complete desperation to a place where she feels like she's got a life back again. And that's what drives me every day is, is, is helping um, anyone struggling with any level of pain or um, life compromising, quality of life compromising condition and helping them see how food can absolutely be the medicine to help them get to a point where they can live a full and uh full and and you know varied life again yeah that's an amazing amazing outcome 
thank you for that. And so my next question then is the next thing uh, is about what makes life meaningful for you. What makes life meaningful for me? Um, well, obviously, my family make life meaningful for me. I couldn't, I wouldn't be without them. They are, you know, kind of behind me all the way. Um, I love sharing my knowledge and my passion for helping people understand how they can improve their quality of life. Um, I keep myself really healthy and that's really important to me as well. I'm making sure that my health is where it should be. I really believe in walking the talk. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, my daily routine is, is what I try to encourage my clients to do as well. So all of those things all add up to you know, a really good quality of life on a day-to-day -day basis. And for me, that, I, you know, what you listen to these stories about, you know, the interviews that they have with people on their deathbed, what was the thing that they regret? And, you know, I don't want to get to my deathbed and find that I've got regrets. I want to live my life to the fullest that it can possibly be. I don't want to be that person who can't sit down in a chair because their back is too painful. I don't want to be that person who can't enjoy their grandchildren um, because they can't, you know, they're they're too unfit to, to 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 run around a field with them and all that kind of thing. So everything I do on a day to day basis contributes. I'm always looking at what what am I doing today that's going to make my life improve my quality of life long term. I don't know whether I answered that question really <laughs> in a very roundabout way. You know, you did. Well, <laughs> that's the fun thing with the questions yeah. that they're quite subjective, and there's mm. one coming up in a minute it's sometimes a challenge and sometimes people ask for clarification and I sometimes give yeah. it but sometimes like just whatever whatever comes to mind um yeah so the the next two questions are about our overarching topic on the podcast and I really appreciate that you've linked to mental well-being actually with your answers uh, because it is about the first one's about mental wellness and mental well-being which is what we talk about all the time on the show so what does mental wellness mean to you yeah, so for me, it's about looking at the body as a whole and the mind and body as a whole. So that whole kind of holistic approach and actually everything you do is contributing to the well, your, your, your mental well-being. So, you know, we've already talked about sleep and sleep having an impact on our mental well-being. If we don't get that good quality, deep sleep, food undoubtedly has an impact on our mental well-being. Sugar absolutely does impact our mood. It's a highly addictive substance we crave it, it gives us a shot of dopamine, and then we crave some more, and then we crash if we don't have it. So that sort of sugar addiction will have an impact on mental well-being. Um, for me, you know, I focus very much every morning, I've got a morning routine that gets my head in the right place for success, it keeps me in a positive space. I focus very much on finding all the good things. How can I do something? Where's the silver lining in this? You know, there's always going to be something that comes from it that's positive. I try to keep myself in a really positive space. I'm always that half glass full person. Um, so I really, you know, mental health is just as important as our physical health, but actually the two things are totally related. And, you know, the food that you eat, the nutrients that you consume will absolutely contribute to your mental well-being. If you're eating junk, you'll think junk. If you're eating lots of colors and nutrients, you'll think in colorful terms and you'll always see all the positives. Um, so we have to absolutely, absolutely link mental well-being with physical well-being. The two things are absolutely inextricably linked. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And I think you've uh, kind of answered my follow-up question, uh, but I'll ask it anyway, if you want to add anything. And that's what for yourself, what you do to look after your own mental well-being or kind of 
general well-being? Yeah, so what I would always do to look after my own mental well-being first is my morning routine. That's absolutely important to me um, and making sure that I write my gratitudes out every day. Um, when I go to bed at night, I will go through my day. I'll kind of do a mental run through my day. What was good about my day? What were the three best things that happened to me today? And that means that when I go to sleep, I've got a, my head's in a really positive space. And it's, you know, I'm not going to sleep dreading what's coming tomorrow. I'm going to sleep thinking about all the great things that happened today. And we'll deal with tomorrow when we get to tomorrow kind of thing. Um, you have to, again, be consistent with that. You have to be persistent with it. It's so easy to get out of that routine. Um, and just that little daily action that you take around focusing on the positives has a huge impact on how you respond to every day. It has an impact on your habits. And those habits are the things that build up long term into how you respond to anything. Um, so if you're doing those little tiny things every single day, you're going to be able to keep your hair, your mental well-being in a, in a better space. Um, but absolutely, I think it's, you know, the, again, the right foods um, and, and just taking those little daily actions that make a huge amount of difference. Yeah, awesome. So then the next question, this is the one that's often a challenge for people. Um, maybe not for you because it's one of the pillars that you talk about uh, so I ask everyone that comes on to try to describe their own mindset yeah so my my mindset is one of um, that I choose to do something it's very much a case of how is how can I do this how can I improve on something if something doesn't go right I don't let it drag me down I go okay what went wrong there how can I make it better next time where can I find the positive in this? So I'm always, my mindset is always on that, you know, I'm always looking for the, 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 the sunshine in a, in a rainy situation, basically. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite sayings is that, you know, it's not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. And that's what it's all about. You know, even in the darkest times, there's always something that you can focus on, always some positive, you know, so for me, example, last year, when we first went into covid everyone was in a very tense stressful situation and there was lots of kind of stuff flying around um, from a negative perspective and the whole time I just then went well you know what I'm going to take myself away from the media I'm going to take myself away from social media because I don't want to be exposed to any of that I know that we can get through this and the whole time you know I talked about the fact that I was grateful for having more time with my children um, I was grateful for having more time to cook and sit down as a family to eat meals and yes, as hard as it was, I'm not going to say it wasn't hard. There were always some positive. There was always a positive in there you can find. And that's who I am. I always look for that positive. Um, you know, even in the darkest times, I'm still always looking for the positive in a situation. Awesome. So my next question is one of my favorite ones to ask. And uh, I ask everyone that comes on to leave us with between one and three top tips. And we've already said it's not a one size fits all. So it's very much try these out and, and see how they work for you. But do you have a top one to three tips for us that could be really impactful in our lives? Yeah. So the first thing is to have protein for breakfast. That is my biggest top tip. You know, just if you do that every single day, gradually the rest of the day will fall into place. So really focus on um, actually, you know, widening that out to everything you do in that first three hours of getting up is really important will have an impact for the rest of the day. So if you can get up and you can you can move, you can hydrate your body, you can write your gratitudes and make yourself feel good and you can put some good nutrition into your system from a protein perspective, that's going to have an impact to how you function for the rest of the day. So that's my first top tip would be absolutely think about what you're doing for those first three hours of the day. My second top tip would be to always, always, always be in bed by 10 o'clock. <laughs> 
sleep is so so important to our mental well-being to our physical well-being our recovery in any situation you know we need um to at least two deep quality sleep through the course of the night deep sleep cycles ideally three and the best one that we can get is the one that comes two hours before midnight so if you can be in bed by 10 o'clock you can get that best that really restorative um you know uh, sleep that will repair the body will repair our mental well-being so you know really aim to be in bed by um, 10 o'clock at night and and be quite protective of that and then my third my third top tip would be to where can you build movement into your day uh, when we're moving our cardiovascular system moves and, and, and that movement then clears negativity out of our system in the form of toxins. But those toxins make us feel negative. So they will have an impact on our mental well-being. The blood flow to our brain will be refreshed so we can, you know, that can help improve our, our mood. And equally as much, we'll start to produce some of those endorphins that help us to feel better as well. So even if you look at your day and you go, I can't even see a time in there where I could actually move for 10 minutes today. See if you can make it. You know, so I, I will often have a, if I'm having a conversation with someone on the phone, I'll say, I'm actually going to take the dog for a walk. Will I have this conversation with you because I need to move or I will stand at my desk so that I'm standing and sort of moving where I can move and you know I'll move from side to side and all that kind of thing if I've got a really busy day or I might get up 10 minutes earlier and and go um, for a walk or something but really plan your week around where can I move because the more you move the more your you know more your cardiovascular system will move and the more you will um, encourage those endorphins to flow which will make you feel so much better so yeah the first three hours of the day always be in bed by 10 o'clock and really try and schedule at least 20 minutes of some kind of movement into your diary each day because it will make you feel better awesome thank you for those I feel like one in three I'm doing well on two not so much I mean I'm getting (laughs) not getting to bed before 10 (laughs) o'clock no I am getting seven hours sleep though I tend to be kind of in beds um and lights up before midnight and I get up at like seven seven fifteen mm. so i'm getting seven hours but not at ten yeah. but two out of three not ain't bad in the words of meatloaf before midnight yeah <laughs> <laughs> but what you can do with that is really simply and this is something i can't encourage clients to do if they're in, like going to bed at midnight say well try and go to bed 15 minutes earlier for a week and then you know if you're then going to bed at kind of quarter to 12 then try and go to bed at 11 30 for a week and get yourself into the habit of doing that then bring it to quarter to 11 you know and just bring it back by 15 minutes for four or five weeks and then suddenly you'll be at a point where you're going to bed at 10 o'clock it's only habit that yeah. you're going to bed at that time yeah I have I have got into better habits around that times so, but I also met my often my most inspired in that time of night yeah. so that's difficult <laughs> yeah um, but yeah yeah um so I have a new question that I've started throwing in uh, so I love to read you can't see all my books mm. Um, but so um, I'm asking guests that come on if they have a top tip of a book or a TED talk or something that's had a, like a massive impact that you'd recommend that we check out. Yeah, so I absolutely love the Rangam Chatterjee podcast, um, Feel Better, Live More. Um, he talks with, to a whole range of health prof- um, professionals on that podcast and I will listen to it avidly. Uh, but equally as much, just recently, I've started to listen to Kiki Kay's um, Your Dream Life podcast which again is really good. There's some really inspiring speakers and they give some really top tips around how you can manage your mental well-being on a day-to-day basis, how you can begin to create um, your dream life, essentially, even when you're in a place of desperation. 
some of the things you can do, some simple things you can do to help you move towards um, improving your, your quality of life on a day-to-day basis. So I'm a, I'm a real podcast listener. I really do um, love pod- podcasts and I tend to read lots of self-development books. They tend to be the books that I read more than kind of novels and stuff like that. Um, so really, you know, anything by Gabby Bernstein or, you know, lots of the uh, uh, self-development people that are out there I'll happily read them and apply them and I might go back and read them again a few years later and stuff as well so I'm always looking to how can I, what can I do what top tips can I get how can I improve myself on a day-to-day basis like I said I really like to walk the talk you know so if I'm going to encourage my clients to think about their mindset and their and their mental health around what they're doing then I need to be able to guide them in in how they're going to do that Awesome. Thank you for that. And then this is my final question, and that's where people can connect with you online. I know you mentioned briefly about uh, programs. So if you want to tell us a little bit about what you've got going on and where we can find you. Yeah. So at the beginning of May, my um, Fed Up to Fabulous program starts, which is a group coaching program that we break. I break down into three 21 day modules. And the first module focuses on cutting out sugar. The second module focuses on improving quality of your sleep. And the third module focuses on improving the quality of your hormones. Um, it's a very simple system, a very simple program to follow. And the most important element of it is that it keeps um, the women that are working together on that program accountable to improving and, and taking those steps towards making improving their health on a daily basis. Um, so that program is on my website, stuthomaswellbeing.co.uk. Um, you can go and find that program on there and there's a landing page with all the information so you can find out a bit more about it. And that starts on the 3rd of May, that next program. I only take an intake of women on that program three times a year. Um, so there's a program running through February, March, April and another program in September, November, December. Uh, no, September, October, November. I was jumping ahead of myself there. Um, so yeah, it's just going coincidental that the next program comes out on the um, 3rd of May. So suethomaswellbeing.co.uk. My Instagram is suethomaswellbeing with a little dash underneath it at the end. And my Facebook page is suethomaswellbeing. So anything suethomaswellbeing basically is where you can find me. Awesome. I love it when it's nice and simple like that. that We will absolutely link in the show notes and where we post on social media so people can also find you easily from there as well. Sue, it's lovely to, well, Sue and I kind of know each other before this, so it's lovely to see you again, and it's lovely to to speak with you and to really hear all of your wisdom, Not probably not all of your wisdom, a lot of your wisdom that you share with us today. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us and share with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Hannah, for inviting me. You're welcome. Take care. So thank you again to Sue for joining me and you probably won't notice because I'm just recording it and not do that but my asthmatic wheeze has gone which is interesting because actually my, my nutrition has slipped a little bit and so it was very timely for me to listen back to this conversation because I've, um, I don't know I guess, I guess got a little out of balanced and you know what that that's okay that's life and I think it's um it's recognizing that for yourself isn't it it's kind of recognizing oh actually uh, maybe I've slipped into not making the most healthful new you know nutritional choices or choices that are going to maximize my health um and so I guess that's why one of the nice things of the podcast is that you know you can listen to a conversation and then often it's a couple of months later when I edit and then release the episodes and so um 
then you can hear that message back and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's something. I think also why I like that kind of the strategy roundups that we do or why it's maybe sometimes nice to dip back into an episode. So if you kind of think, oh, I really uh, I'm, I'm really procrastinating at the moment or I'm really uh, dealing with overwhelm, dipping back into a conversation about that, because there might be things that you that they're kind of connected with you last time or maybe they didn't because that kind of wasn't where your headspace was at but actually going back to it you can really just hear things sometimes at the right time and so I'm definitely feeling a little bit of that um so (laughs) thank you to Sue for that and also uh you know serotonin uh well lots of hormones we talked about but serotonin and we mentioned about the kind of the mental health and, and nutrition but serotonin is that big hormone the neurotransmitter that is often um implicated particularly in depression and so uh it's one of those reasons you know um sharing my story when I when I started exercising because that can really help with that but also it's why nutrition often is talked about as something that's beneficial for depression uh for a multitude of reasons but I think that is a big one when we have a particular neurotransmitter that is in some way involved that (laughs) has a big a big impact in um nutrition so I guess they were my takeaways or yeah my big takeaway was to think particularly about sugar because having said everything about not really being a snacker and and all of that I have been in a really sugary sweet tooth place um and so that is my takeaway to kind of look at that and to do some of that planning to actually think about how I'm setting up my day my sleep that's been out and that probably then it you know like I said it's all linked has has a knock-on uh, effect but really thinking about those things as you mentioned about setting up my day uh, and kind of planning and planning to eat things that are going to keep me full and so I'm not going to be having uh, hopefully <laughs> so many of those cravings and and if you are listening you're like absolutely I'm 100% in the same boat then there is still time to check out Sue's uh, program. Uh, I'm not sure about number of spaces and, and how capacity is, but it starts in May. So definitely time to kind of check it out and, and see what's going on. And I'm not sure if Sue mentioned it, but she does also have um, a Facebook group. So all of that will be in the show notes so you can connect with her and get some of the amazing advice that she shares. So um, I think that is everything for me. I am going to go and enjoy some of the last of the sunshine today. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday and uh, trying to get it done so I can have a bit of downtime, which is something I definitely feel I need. It's I guess it's part of that all of that listening to your body, not just the food it wants, but the the rest, the relaxation, kind of everything and building up that self-awareness, which is something we like to talk about. But self-awareness on a, a kind of physical level as well. So um, I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway is from this episode. So please do connect with us on social media at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching. Uh, Tag us in your stories. Let us know what you're taking away from this. If there was anything surprising or new or a good reminder, uh, if you're in the same boat as me, Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And same goes with any, any feedback, any recommendations, anything you'd love to hear on the show. We're always keen to hear from you so that we can keep putting out great content that you really get the most out of um and yeah I think that that is everything I could sit here and waffle and chat with you all day 
but I won't. Um, so please do rate, review and share the show if you enjoy it. And please join us next week when we have another two fab episodes for you. Until then, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself and speak soon. Bye for now.